With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. All right, everybody, you're not going to hear it here on YouTube, but if you are listening to the podcast feed, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope everyone's having a great week. There's no grandiose entrance to the program there's no casey there's no bells and whistles we're just gonna basically hit record and and have a program and i am not alone here because as sean alshadi just said in our in our little slack room apparently i'm trying to break up the no bets barred boys before week three of their actual program so let us welcome in the co-hosts of mma fighting's new gambling podcast we have jed mishu in the middle square here, you're like it's like Hollywood Square, center square. Ooh, What's that's the good center square is the good square. That's the A number one square. So that's right. fantastic and, and deserved. No disrespect to Connor, but you know he's new on these streets. I run these streets. So how's it going, my man? It's good. You know, we dropped a new edition of the pod yesterday. Um, I'm at a neighbor's house. Their dogs are getting very involved in my life. So it's good. Good solid day. That's great. And let us introduce the other half of the No Bets Bar team. You also may know him from the MMA Hour, the producer extraordinaire, another Georgia native. Let us say hello to Connor Burks, GC, making his second appearance on BTL. What's up, buddy? Yeah, man, I'm happy to be here. It's it's unfortunate that I'm going against Jed. I was fully expecting Jose Youngs, but uh, last minute pullout for the money fight that he's been calling for for who knows how long, and now he puts me against my own teammate and Jed. I mean, this is this is a classless, classless move by Jose. Apparently, he is traveling to Las Vegas right now. He will be on the scene for UFC Vegas 54, which we're going to talk about a little in a little while from now. So at this point, 
I literally have no idea what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to, I'll, I'll leave it up to the peeps. Do we want to do some sort of contest? Do we want to do, do we want to turn this into an actual matchup or do we want to just round table this thing and just run our mouths and, and talk about the topic. So we'll let the people decide, you know what? It's a friendly rivalry. There's no titles on the line. Let's just have a contest gentlemen. Let's just see who the, okay. the, the better man is GC versus Jed Mishu. And let me do the uh, production thing here. Here we go. Opening question. There's a lot going on coming out of UFC 274 this past Saturday. There are so many storylines. Most of them take place at the top of this card because Charles Oliveira, what a wild weekend it was. Friday, steps on the scale. He's 155 and a half, has an hour to cut an extra half a pound. Steps on the scale an hour later, still 155 and a half. And because of that, he is stripped of his UFC lightweight title. And then he goes in and fights Justin Gaethje on Saturday, puts it to him, drops him, chokes him, submits him, wins the fight, but does not leave Phoenix, Arizona with the lightweight title. This has just been a, this is just a crazy 24 to 48 hours for one Bronx Oliveira. So Jed, let's start with you. I know you were on the people's pre-fight show. You were on the post-fight show. So we heard your thoughts on this, but since then we've had five days pass. So just the vacation of the title, the stripping, the half a pound, all of this, because there's no gray area here. People here think this is just the dumbest thing ever. Or this is, hey, the rules state, if you miss weight for a championship fight, even by 0.5 pounds, you're no longer the champion. You get stripped of the title. So what's your thoughts on it five days later? Is this dumb or is this the right thing to do? Well, it's hard to tell how you feel about it with that <laughs> scathing impersonation. You've been listening to Ariel, I see. <laughs> um, well, look, I'm, I'm in that camp. Look, Mike, I didn't get to the place I am in my life by changing my opinion. <laughs> like I'm I had an opinion and I'm gonna stick to it. Rules is rules, and it may be stupid, but you know what else is stupid? Not doing your damn job. <laughs> you just your job is to make weight. He was given an extra hour and couldn't do it. And just do it, you know? Like Ronnie Locke cut off a finger so he could go play in the NFL. Chucky Olives doesn't feel like doing that. He's not committed to the title. That's all I'm hearing from this. A half pound. You say, well, it's only a half pound. I say, well, it's only a half pound. Suck it up and spit it out. Like, let's do, do the do your damn job. Get get your full paycheck. Keep your belt. And we're not in this situation. But it would be ridiculous for the UFC to just be like, eh, this doesn't matter. Because then that's that's setting a terrible precedent moving forward for anybody ever to, to just be like, uh, the weight doesn't matter. I'm the champion. I'm going to win. And what are they going to do? I'm not going to fight for the belt next. No. So this is it. I'm sorry that people don't like the rules, but the rules are very clear. So let me ask you, Jed, in your, in your mind right now, is Charles Oliveira the lightweight champion? No, not at all. Not even like no. ostensibly you don't consider him the best lightweight in the world. The, the King without a crown at all. Sure. He's the best lightweight in the world. But well, one, and I in general think that that's Islam Makachev, but I'm I'm freely willing to say that if you're basing it on merit, it's it's Charles Oliveira. But no, he is not the he he is the best lightweight in the world by merit, but he is not the champion because that's how things work. <laughs> like it's 
This is just very easy. This is an extremely not difficult question. And the people who want it to be some other way mostly just want to feel better about, you know, Charles Oliveira blowing weight, which really should take you down a, a much better rabbit hole of why the hell do we care about weight classes in general? Because that's a much, much better conversation. Uh, but since we decided we do, a half pound is the same as five pounds for these purposes. Which is interesting, GC, because we had other lightweights on the card. Most of them weighed in over 155. All of them were able to compete on Saturday. None of them lost a dime, unless we're talking about like show and win money, and that's a whole co another conversation for another podcast. But Charles Oliveira misses weight by a half pound. But ostensibly, if you look at it in context, Charles Oliveira, this is three fights ago, he didn't miss weight. Misses weight here, stripped of the title, goes out, beats Justin Gaethje, tremendous performance, and he's no longer the champion. Your reaction to this five days later, is this dumb or is everybody correct here in the way this worked out? Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I actually, uh, I agree with Jed in the point that this is how it works. I mean, these are the rules. Like, he did miss weight. I won't go as far to say, you know, like, do your damn job because he did miss it by a half point, you know, focus more on the weight process. He obviously was doing that. He he came up a half pound short, though, and that's the rules. Whether you want to change the rules moving forward to give the half pound the pound of grace in championship fights as well, that's an entirely different conversation. But as far as it goes for him losing the title, I think the rules are the rules, and you have to follow those. Uh, but I do disagree with Jed. In my eyes, Charles Oliveira is the lightweight champion. I mean, he went in. A half pound on the scales does not give him a huge advantage. It doesn't even give him any different sort of advantage over Justin Gaethje. He goes out, he finishes him in the first round, and now the next time that he will fight, if he wins, the belt will be around his waist. If he loses, obviously it will not be. So in my eyes, as much as it sucks for him, the money, everything like that, I still see him as the lightweight champion. That's, that's how I'll call him moving forward until someone beats him. If it doesn't give him an advantage, then why do we give a shit about it? I don't know, actually. Like, that's a great point. Like, what? I think that's fair. If that's your line, that's fair. Like, but do you just... think if he weighed 155, he's not choking Justin Gaethje out? No, I also don't think if he weighed 170, it matters. I have been on the record for years that I don't give two tugs of a dog's <laughs> tail about weight. Like, that it just <laughs> does not matter to me because that's not how the real world works. You're not like, oh, I can't get in a street fight with that dude. He weighs six pounds more than me. That's unfair. It's not how gyms work. If you go in, it's not like, I can't roll with that dude. He's a 170 or I weigh 165. I don't care about weight, but I just want everyone to have the same energy because a lot of people who, if this weren't this scenario, you know, would be like, well, Norma Dumont got a wildly unfair advantage by missing weight or whatever dumb garbage that is. So if you're all, if you're uniform in it, that's fine. Totally, totally respect your opinion, but don't come at me with, well, it's a half pound. It doesn't matter. But if it was two pounds, stop the presses. This cannot exist. This is damaging to the health of the sport. It's all ridiculous. That's a fair point. I guess at the end of the day, though, Mike asked me if I thought it was dumb. And I, I guess I do think it's dumb that he lost the belt over a half pound and then went out and beat Justin Gaethje uh, in the first round. I also think it's dumb okay, because, so again, he time. should have sucked it up and spit out half a pound of weight. <laughs> Dude, shave, I can't. I can't shave his head saying that. Like, I, I can. I can shave your head. Do do your job. You contracted to do it. You had an extra hour and you weighed the same. The blonde looks so good. You can't shave the hair. Come on. I guess the I gold mean, looks better around your belt, though. 
I mean, you're right. You don't have to do it, but you also just kind of got to live with not being the champion <laughs> if if you don't want to do that. Jed, what's the what's the bigger mystery? What did Charles Oliveira do in that one hour? Or where was Dana White during the main event of UFC 270? <laughs> I think it is really what did Charles Oliveira do? Because I just have no idea what he did for an hour that was not to cut more weight. <laughs> like I, I just, I can't even imagine. I th- feel like he must have just gone and like sat on the couch and been like, yeah, fuck it. They're not going to do anything to me. But obviously he was wrong. <laughs> so i i think that one but there are a lot of great unsolved mysteries in mma what dana white does during main events is is certainly one of them especially like that particular main event and why he didn't wrap the belt around francis waist you know you know was there a reason do you feel like he wasn't a fan of francis at that moment in time or just totally just happened to not he had an important business call urgent business <laughs> popped up urgent business more urgent than the heavyweight title in your own promotion it is it's it's like that scene in game of thrones when joffrey's called away by his mother during blackwater does she have urgent business for me well i'll go see to that <laughs> so i mean apparently there's a poll in here I assume a, 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 a is watching somewhere because I did not create this poll. In your mind, is Charles Oliveira currently the UFC lightweight champion? By the way, whoever is creating these polls, make sure we create a poll on who's winning this matchup between Jed and GC. That would be lovely. Whoever's running the polls, please do that. So now, GC, as strange as this is, is kind of dumb as this is, and I understand the rules behind it, lightweight just actually becomes a little more interesting because now we have a conversation. Charles Oliveira, not the champion, but he is going to fight for the vacant title that he lost right as his fight with Justin Gaethje started. And the question is, because a a lot of names have been thrown around here, who is this man going to fight? Do we split up the match between Islam Makachev and Badil Dariush as one of those two guys? Do we try to make sure those two guys still fight potentially in October, even though the fight is not done? Do we bring in somebody else? Do we do Chandler? Will Connor sneak in here? Will they go outside of the box? So... What do you think happens? Not what should happen. What is going to happen in your mind? Charles Oliveira versus question mark. Who's the question mark? Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest no-brainer for me. I'm glad I'm getting to go first on this. I mean, it's Islam Makashev. Without a doubt, shadow of a doubt in my mind, 10-fight win streak in the UFC. That's the 13th longest in UFC history, fourth longest active. Everyone ahead of him is a UFC champion. He fought four times over the span of 12 months, March 21 to February 22. Won all four times by finish. He's just dominating everyone. The guy's 22-1. and one. No one has ever landed more than 13 strikes on him in his UFC career. I mean, he's the third-ranked lightweight. I guess fourth now because Charles lost the belt. Poirier, Gaethje, and Chandler, two, three, and five, have all tried at Charles. They all lost by finish. So I just don't know who else it would be. I mean, it, it's got to be Islam. You know, a lot of people, yeah, no, Islam needs to be a top-five opponent. Everyone's saying now beating Bobby Green and Dan Hooker gets you a title shot no but winning 10 straight fights in the ufc does and i guess if you want to make the argument beating dan hooker does get you a title shot go talk to michael chandler uh so yeah exactly in my opinion this one is a no-brainer you give it to islam makashev jed i think listen you have been saying for a long time that you believe islam makashev's the best lightweight in the world does he get his chance to prove it 
Maybe he should, but will he, Jed? Because you've been singing a whole different tune for a while. Are you sticking with it? Sure am. Uh, Islam is the best lightweight in the world. I feel extremely confident in that. And when he does finally get his shot, he is going to convert and be the champion. Uh, he's not going to get it next because either Islam or someone who theoretically manages many fighters and would thus manage their social media accounts started talking out their rear about wanting that smoke on short notice against RDA. And then when they actually talked to Islam was like, no, I just fought. I can't make the wait in three days. You losers. Uh, and talked himself out of getting a title fight. So uh, the UFC is are, are bitter, bitter people. Uh, and they are not going to give him one, even though they absolutely should. And especially not going to give him one because Connor's pretty close to back. And as much as Connor has been talking all that uh, nonsense about moving up to welterweight, I think the reality is that's that's a really tough to sell in any world where there's a semblance of meritocracy. Uh, and I I think the UFC kind of wants Connor Nate Diaz, but at some point they have to give up on the pipe dream that will not work for them and give Nate Diaz a fight against Michael Chandler and move on from that. And then you can just have Connor come in and fight Oliveira. Oliveira called him out after the, uh, after the win. You know, the translator basically misquoted him, but you know, I, Connor's still the name that's going to draw. Oliveira's going to want it. Uh, Connor will want it. It's, theoretically a winnable fight for him though very likely not actually uh and that's just the fight that's going to happen where follow the money and that's the most money right now i do want to bring this up before we move on because we are not dedicating an entire round to carla sparza defeating rose namiunas but i think there's been a lot of talk about gc you obviously were there jed you probably heard it and i think a lot of people watching right now are all familiar with this Rose Namajunas and Pat Barry were on the MMA hour and it was a very interesting interview is a very interesting look at the fight and a very interesting look at the reaction after the fact. So GC, just you being there, hearing this interview, hearing the thoughts from both of these individuals with Ariel, what was your reaction to this, to Rose, to Pat Barry, to all of it? I mean, it it was strange. Like it was it was a very strange interview. Uh, Pat Barry is incredibly long winded. He talked in circles pretty much the entire time, <laughs> repeating the same thing over and over. And I mean, it obviously everything he was saying just comes from a hugely biased point of view. Like he is the significant other to the losing fighter in that matchup. So of course he's going to leave everything that he's saying. I mean, in my opinion, that fight was a draw. I don't think you can make a an incredibly strong argument either way for either fighter winning. Um, I thought his corner work was atrocious. The fact that he was saying she was up 4-0 when on one judge's scorecard, she was actually down 4-0. So I didn't learn much from the interview at all. I, you know, was a little bit taken aback by it, just how, how strange, uh, not only Pat, but I mean, Rose came off as well. Uh, and, and I'm having a hard time like separating Rose from, Pat Barry in this circumstance and Rose is one of my favorite fighters. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a strange hour to say the least. Jed, your thoughts on this interview that seems to have the MMA community talking right now. It, I will be honest. I mostly tried not to listen to it. I don't have a great deal of support in my heart for Pat Barry. Um, and 
but from kind of reading the story on MMAfighting.com, the world's greatest website, you should go check it out. Uh, great website. It, it's a great website. <laughs> it it seemed uh, very rambly, um, extremely long-winded. There were like two points that he made in all of the speaking that he did, and they were <laughs> awful bad. Like they were just bad points. <laughs> so it's like if you take him at face value and – Great. Rose this Rose did exactly what we wanted. We executed the perfect game plan. Cool. You should never coach anyone ever again if if that's what happened because your game plan was atrocious. And like again, I am not a professional fighter nor coach, but I can say confidently that it was a really bad game plan. And so could anyone with a basic understanding of combat. Uh and so if I, uh, the, the big dumb idiot that I am, can look at that and say, that was dumb, uh, you probably shouldn't be saying how brilliant you are for that. It's just not, that's just not a good look, my guy. Um, honestly, the person I would be the most interested to hear from is Trevor Whitman about this because we talked about it in the post show. I felt like Whitman knew bad things were happening, but because of his position in the corner and his relationship with Rose and sort of who Rose is as a fighter, he couldn't yell at her and be like, Hey, you have to go fight now. So he was trying to kind of coax her into doing more while Pat was saying, you do it great. You're, you're winning every round. Great job. Um, so I would be really fascinated to see what Trevor Whitman has to say, if he would speak on the topic. Uh, but for me, this is just like, yeah, uh, I would have, the thing about a fight like that is you don't have that fight and like you have that fight because you're trying to have that fight. You can accidentally fist fight people harder than Rose and Carla did. Like, so they, it was clearly intentional. And if you're doing that intentionally, you think you're the smartest person in the room. Uh, and usually when you think you're the smartest person in the room, it's really hard to tell when you're actually just doing something objectively stupid. Uh, and that's what I feel happened. And I don't feel that they have honestly accurately processed that loss. Um, I think that, you know, maybe with more time, they'll say, well, maybe we should have done a little bit more to make it more clear. But uh, I haven't heard a lot of things post-fight from either Rose or Pat Barry that have been like, man, losing the title should have been a wake-up call that we fundamentally screwed up here. Uh, instead it, I'm hearing a lot of equivocating. And so that's not great, but it also might not matter because Rose is incredibly talented and I would be honestly a little bit shocked if she didn't get the belt back at some point in the future. I also, just a quick point. I also thought it was really strange how he kept referencing back to, uh, they told Rose to ditch the game plan and she was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you're not going to fool me. Like, I'm like, it's so ingrained in my brain to not ditch this game plan. Like, I just feel like that is a that's a bad coaching strategy if your athlete isn't adhering to your advice when you're telling them to ditch the game plan. I, I don't know. I just felt that point was also very strange from from Pat Barry. I think the entire fight, everything about it was very weird, but we also have to give credit where it's due to Carlos Sparza because we do she, not. I mean, she, look at she I won the be, fight. She did, but you don't give look very clearly. You cannot give her credit for this. She won, and that's great, but it's the same thing as going all in pre-flop with seven deuce and you hit. <laughs> cool, it worked out for you, 
but the result and the process were were not related in any capacity. She won the belt off of going two for eleven on takedowns and landing thirty strikes over twenty five minutes. Like that, that was probably the only chance stuff. she was going to win the fight, though. If we're being honest, that was probably yeah. her best chance to win. <laughs> and she basically she fought the she fought to win. Honestly, that was her best path to victory. As boring <sighs> as as it might have been. It was one of the, I mean it was one of her paths to victory, but it was just so uh, unsuccessful. I think that's I why it bothers me. I refuse to give her credit for also not fighting. Neither woman engaged. She engaged slightly more, and that is why she won. And so you can give her the the barest amount of credit you can give a human being because she tried a little, whereas Rose actively did not try. But again, I am not because at the end of the day, if she had lost that fight. We I I would be I can't speak for anyone else. I would be excoriating her that this is her last opportunity for the belt, and that's how she fights. The last chance she will get in her entire career to fight for the title, which I think we all would have agreed on. And if the judges had given it to Rose, you couldn't have been mad. Nobody could have been like, "That is a robbery." I scored so, for Rose. That's yeah. the thing. Like you can't, you could not be mad. And so I refuse to give Carla credit because the outcome worked for her because she, with two different judges in there she could have easily lost the title or not won the title in her last fight and put up the world's biggest dud like that is both <laughs> both women deserve zero points and zero credit for what happened saturday and that may be harsh but i honestly think it's like it totally justified the master of polls has a new one up there who should challenge charles charles Oliveira next islam dariush connor chandler Islam, 60%. Darius, 16%. Connor, 19%. Michael Chandler at 6%. But Michael Chandler might have been the star of the night, might have been the star of the week. And that's where we're going next, or at least one half of the conversation. But the point for <laughs> round Jed, one. I forgot Jed hates Mike Chandler. Not Whoa, anymore. wait a minute, wait a minute. Not you you missed the breaking news. You missed the breaking I news. I do hate that 6% of people think he should fight for the belt. That's really stupid, but okay. There's a difference between should and who will. So maybe they're reading it as will. I don't know. I think Chandler has a pretty good shot of getting that fight just because of the steam he has right now, which is, I know, I get it, Jed. I know where you're, I know where you're coming from, but the point for round one goes to <laughs> GC is on the board. It is one to nothing. Cue the music, which you'll hear on the podcast network. You get nothing here. That was a good drum roll. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that I'm surprised was. That was all one was. round. I know. Crazy. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. So let's go to round two. Look at that. I don't even have to think about what the round is. The, the banner gods have come through. Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson had themselves a, a nice little battle on Saturday in Phoenix, Arizona. Tony Ferguson was looking very Tony Ferguson-esque. Hurt Chandler in the first. Then Chandler got a takedown, and while Al Kukui's on his back, he's throwing elbows, he's slicing and dicing. Both guys are bloody. Then we head to the second round, and boy, oh boy, did Michael Chandler come through with one of the all-time great knockouts. Front kick up the middle, more like a Tommy Tupa punt that went 75 yards down the field. It was absolutely wild. Ferguson seems to be okay. Michael Chandler gets a massive win. What an investment this man has been, Jed Mishufa. For those who missed it, a lot of people have watched this program, have listened to this program over the last couple of years. They have heard your opinions on Michael Chandler, and maybe some people were not a, were not up at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning watching your take on Michael Chandler. So what would you like to say for those who missed it? He doesn't suck. <laughs> and that hurts me to say because I have said – loudly and repeatedly and for uh, the better part of a year that Michael Chandler sucks because he did and he does, but he doesn't. And so it's weird because he sucks, but he doesn't suck. Um, It's just, it's hard to deny him at this point because here's the thing about Michael Chandler. He came to the UFC and for as much as he had this hype about being a three-time Bellator champion, uh, nobody actually cared to watch him fight. It's not like he was blowing the doors off of of the ratings people uh, come, you know, in, in Bellator. One, it is Bellator, so it's tough. But he just had some snoozers. He lost to a lot of people who I would say are, you know, elite fighters, but not A1 Apex Predators. And so then he came to the UFC, and great, he knocked out Dan Hooker, which I have a lot of respect for Dan Hooker, but that win has not aged all that well. Um, and... Then I was like, yeah, so he still sucks. That's cool. This is a dude who got knocked out by a bantamweight, uh, so he blows. Uh, and then he got a title shot, which rubbed me very wrong because it was. I maintained firmly that it was incredibly stupid that the UFC booked Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler for the vacant title because booking the number three and number four at the time ranked lightweights for your vacant belt is by definition means it's not the two best guys in the division. So the champion can't be, but different thing. He lost that fight. 
it's just, it's hard to deny him because he has decided that self-preservation does not matter to him anymore. Um, and that was the thing that like, when, when the chips would be down with Chandler, he would just tackle you and sit on you because he knew that winning mattered more than being exciting. He sort of has gotten away from that here. Um, I mean, to an extent when Tony Ferguson was kind of teeing off on him, he power doubled Tony and started elbowing him, but it's just to continue saying he sucked would make me the most like transparent hater in the world. And so I just can't like this dude has delivered four absolute bangers since joining the UFC. He is one of the top 10 lightweights in the world, arguably top five, though. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, and he just, he doesn't suck. So, you know, mea culpa. I was wrong. It happens occasionally. What a moment. Now, if we can get you to turn around on Stipe and we cannot Brian Ortega, then we have done something here uh, in, in the year of our Lord 2022. But that's going to take <laughs> there's, a, there's a better chance on Brian Ortega, but I don't even think that's what is it happen. with Stipe? Stipe sucks. <laughs> right. right. He's, he's not very good is what it is. He's like one of the best heavyweights, but heavyweight is bad. And he sucks. It's just it just is what it is. Like GC, let let us go over to you because this knockout is incredible. It is the knockout of the year. No disrespect to Molly McCann, but I'm sorry. You you you've been uprooted. You are now in second place, and that's really good right now. Five months into the to the calendar year, it's been a crazy year. But you're not you're you're the silver medalist for knockout of the year, and that's pretty damn impressive. Where does Michael Chandler go now, GC? Because he was on the MMA hour yesterday as well. He's got a lot of options. Maybe he slides into the title fight. I don't think he does, but maybe because of the buzz and everything that's going on right now, maybe they slide him in and try to just put on an exciting fight. There's Connor. You could do Dustin Poirier, although he doesn't seem all that interested in Dustin Poirier. There's maybe Darius or Islam or one of these guys. There's the options are plenty. He's in a really good spot for a guy who's two and two in the UFC. What do you think's next for Michael Chandler after this incredible knockout? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in an incredible spot. You said it. This is going to be incredibly hard to top this knockout for knockout of the year. He's coming off the fight of the year last year with Gaethje. I think he has a ton of options, and I think all of those options will pay dividends for him. But personally, I don't think that Conor McGregor should get the title shot. He's been on the sidelines for too long. He's lost his last two fights. His last win was against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. I think Conor McGregor should return to face Michael Chandler. I think that could do giant numbers for the promotion. I think it would be an exciting fight. If it goes five rounds, I don't think it's going to see the scorecards. I think everybody would be hyped up for it. The dynamic of the trash talking of McGregor versus like the motivational speech of Chandler would just be such a hilarious dynamic between the two. I just don't know who would complain if they created that fight. I think a win for either of them would boost them right back into the title picture. So I think McGregor would be the perfect fight, but if McGregor's time frame doesn't work out, you mentioned Poirier. I know Chandler said he's not that interested, but I think that would be just as exciting of a matchup uh, if they wanted to make that one happen, if McGregor's timeline doesn't match up. We also got Nate Nate Diaz into this mix as well, but apparently Nate's out there in Vegas right now uh, <laughs> urinating at the UFCPI, Jed Mishu. So I don't know if... <laughs> what, what do we do now with Michael Chandler? Because, again... He's in a tremendous spot, even if he doesn't get a title fight here. What do you think's next for, for Iron Mike? So here's the problem, right, Mike? Because I I stand by what I said because I can't be a hater anymore. But 
I turned the corner. You know, you heard me on Saturday night or Sunday morning, I guess. I said, Michael Chandler doesn't suck. And he comes out and he really tries hard to make me walk that back to sucking because Dustin Poirier it would be a great fight. And he no-sells it for the dumbest reasons imaginable and counterproductive ones as well. Well, I want to get back to a title fight. Cool. I feel like fighting the number two ranked dude or three, I don't remember what the UFC has him ranked, uh, fighting and beating him, that's going to get you back to a title fight. Well, I don't have any. I, I dis, disregard Dustin Poirier. Don't need Dustin Poirier. He he was mean to me one time, and I am a, a sad little snowflake with hurt feelings, and so I will not because when I came to the UFC, he didn't want to fight me. Like, Wasn't he just chugging his hot sauce like six months ago? I don't, I, I don't know. It was a super weird no-sell from him to be like, I have no interest in fighting Poirier. And sure, I wouldn't have interest in fighting a dude who's probably going to beat my ass too. That seems like a bad choice. <laughs> I would rather fight Nate Diaz. That makes a ton more sense for me. But, you know, it's that really rubbed me the wrong way and it really made me think, man, I might should still just be on the Michael Chandler sucks corner. But I think that fight would make a ton of sense. I think the fight that is going to happen, I think it's going to be Nate Diaz, though. Because Nate is saying he'll take that fight. I think that fight makes a ton of sense for Chandler. I think that's a big enough fight that the UFC can finally pull their heads out of their asses and stop holding on to Nate Diaz like a feudal surf and let him be free. Uh, So I think that that's the fight that will happen. Also because... I hate Chandler McGregor. I think that that fight makes a lot of sense for a number of reasons, but I think that's a bad fight for McGregor. (laughs) He should not take that fight. And I think the UFC shouldn't want it because that's, that's, I don't feel like you're getting enough value from Conor McGregor getting tackled and sat on for however long, which is the most likely outcome there. So uh, I think McGregor either gets a title fight or, depending on how high and low you want to go, you can do the Gaethje fight, which is a winnable fight and a banger of all bangers. Or you can just, you know, to answer the other half of this question, you can just end Tony Ferguson's career with one clean McGregor left hand. And then, because if you do that, if you're not putting McGregor back in a title fight and he fights Tony Ferguson and he knocks out Tony Ferguson, then, and you have Charles fight Islam, then you can very easily say, well, McGregor's back. Put him in a title fight. He knocked out Tony Ferguson. That's good enough for us. <laughs> get him get him to the belt against Islam Makhachev, and we'll try and relive the Habib-Connor magic that is the biggest pay-per-view in the history of the sport. All right, GC, your thoughts on what's next for Tony Ferguson? Because obviously, tough loss, finished again. He's been on the wrong side of it for a little while. He finally won a round. Finally won a round. Let's go. On all three judges' scorecards on Saturday against Michael Chandler. He's looking very good, and then we all know what happened. So what's next for Tony Ferguson? Uh, an extended period away. Um, I feel like after after a knockout like that, you definitely need to take some time to uh, recuperate a little bit. But when he does come back, I think he needs to step away from the top of the division. I mean, it has not been working out for him. He hasn't won... Uh, since he fought Cowboy three years ago. Uh, I think with him coming back to lightweight, Dan Hooker would be a solid match for Tony Ferguson. Two fan favorites that have a lot of support behind them that have been struggling lately, that have you know, both been finished pretty badly uh, of late. And I think it would be an exciting matchup. You know, Whoever wins gets to continue in the UFC. Whoever loses uh, 
might be looking at retirement, but I think Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker would be a solid matchup. I like that fight. I like that fight. I like Bobby Green as a potential option. They want to do Jim Miller. That's a fine option. Those are the types of fights. Like if we're going yes. to keep Tony Ferguson in the top down. 15, Dan Hooker, I think is a fine fight, but the other ones I'm, I'm good with too. Just throw them in there. Some Wiley vets. We'll just have some fun fights some scrambles. Cause I think we can all agree that as much as we love Tony Ferguson, as much as the fans respect and admire everything Tony Ferguson has done, I think we could all agree that his chances to become a UFC champion probably behind us at this yeah. point. But still, Jed, there's some... Jed shaking his head. He wants to throw Tony Ferguson to the wolves. Yeah. Go ahead, Jed. I, don't, I mean, well, one, I do, because I think that that's the best outcome. But also, like, you both are just not going to be right. And that's like, I agree. If we're, if we're trying to maintain Tony Ferguson as an ongoing entity in the UFC and the top of the division, and we we're seeing a bright future for him that we want to build towards. Yeah. You take a step back, you rebuild him up, you give him winnable fights. Tony Ferguson came out talking a whole lot of greasiness about the UFC the week before he got stone bolted by the foot of Michael Chandler. So uh, this dude who's lost four in a row, hasn't won a fight in whatever it is, three years and is on the wrong side of 35. Like this is, this is the UFC is not going to be in the rehab Tony Ferguson at the fighter business. They're going to be squeezed the last amount of juice you can get from this dude business. And that is sacrificing him to Conor McGregor or Armin Sarukian or somebody else who is just no, going to no. buck wild on him. <laughs> and it's they're not going to do a Dan Hooker fight, which would be fun. Also, Hooker probably kills him at this point, too. There's just... You guys are speaking as if we can save Tony, and we can't. He's done. No, no one's saying that. No one's you, saying Tony. I you want him Tony to fight Bobby saved. Green and take steps back. That's no, but that's it. it. No, but that's I'm where just, he is now. Those. That's who he is. That's that's where Cerrone is. That's where Lozon is. These are the types of fights. No, see, but Tony. Tony is two years behind the Cerrone schedule. Same schedule. But Cerrone is more washed and more defeated. Tony's got at least one more big win that his skull will provide to the fans, and it's going to be Connor or Armin Sarukian or somebody like that who's just going to kill him. And they're they're just they're going to send him to the glue factory in the most violent oh of God. ways because that's what they do. That's how this company works. It's how the sport works. Do not put him in there with Armin Sarukian. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't. Please are you don't. Trying, why are you trying to build Sarukian up? I mean, it's bad you don't for really, his He's health. building himself up right yeah, now. Yeah, Sarukian's already got another fight, doesn't he? He's got Batush Gamrod. If he beats Batush Gamrod, I mean, listen, it's, he, yeah, he needs the, the win rub. Of that, I get just it. killing Tony is it's a good bump. <laughs> it's a good bump. All I'm saying, I think Connor makes the most sense if they're not going to put Connor in a title fight. And if not, then you just give him to a young killer and we send him on his way and go out on your back. That is what this sport is built on. Hey, listen, if they give him a Gregor, I don't think he's going to be too upset about that one. So. Oh, that's what I think. He would take it instantly. And again, I think it's a really winnable fight for Connor. <laughs> I thought it was a winnable fight for Connor for years. It's a really winnable fight now. And he beats Tony. Tony's still going to be hanging in the top 10. He beats Tony. They can easily justify a title shot off that. Ah. Uh. Tony Fer Tony Ferguson versus future champion Armand Sarukian. Boy, oh boy, that one uh that one kind of hurts my feelings. Is, is is what's happening to Islam in this world where Armin wins the belt? Is Islam does he retire too? I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. You have to do that rematch. It'll be massive. Makachev, Sarukian too. Full camp. Not a UFC debut. Or just remember the fits that Sarukian was giving that man in his debut fight. Come it, on it, now. It will be massive. <laughs> It'll be is a stretch. A billion pay-per-view buys. No, it won't be massive, but we'll see. It'd be a very interesting way. All right. We move on to round three. We'll move on to this weekend. The point for round two goes to... <laughs> Chad Mishu gets it done. It's one-to-one. Nicely done. Distracted by the drum roll. Unbelievable. So there we go. Okay. I miss Casey. I miss his sound effects, so I don't have to provide them myself. Again, I have no idea who's putting these polls in the YouTube channel, but uh, God bless who whoever it is. And if it's we can put up if we can put up one that says who is winning BTL, yeah, let's get a winner one up for? here. Jed, GC, put that in there. I'm I coming for you. a no contest. I command you. Yeah, we don't need any no contest. Otherwise, you're gonna make me do it. I'm gonna look like a bad guy. So, two events coming up this weekend. We got Bellator 281, Jed Mishu. AKA Showtime MMA to 281, which will be headlined by an interim title fight between Michael Venom Page and Logan Storley. We got Paul Daly's retirement fight on this card as well. And then on Saturday, we got UFC Vegas 54, which will be headlined by the former champion, Jan Blachowicz, taking on Alexander Rakic. We got Ryan Spann versus Iwan Kutalaba in the second to last fight. And we got some other interesting fights that are kind of splooshed around the card as well. So, Jed, if you can only watch one of these events, which one are you watching? Is this a joke? Come on. It's it's going to be... Well, actually, I'm going to... I changed my mind. I was going... <laughs> you were dead... Like, I was correct, except for I forgot that the UFC did this stupid thing where they start the event at, like, midnight or some dumb hour, oh, so it'll be on... Yeah, so it'll be on forever and ever. <laughs> um even though it's only 11 fights and Bellator's on Friday and will be, you know, it's in Europe, so it'll be at least done quickly. So if I can only watch one, I'll pick that one because the rest of my life will prefer that, my sleep schedule, et cetera. But if we're talking about the quality of the cards, I mean, the Bellator card's not the worst card they've ever put together. It's, it's better than a lot of their frequent events, but, you know, I don't have a lot of interest or care about Lyoto Machida fighting in the year of our Lord 2022. Uh, that's just not something that I I'm standing up and saying, hell yeah, I got to tune in. Uh, also watching Logan Storley sit on a grown man for 25 minutes is not the most entertaining thing in the world. Uh, I mean, the rest of that card, Daniel White, uh, Robert Whiteford's pretty good fight, but other than that, it's whatever, but the UFC card is pretty good. Um, it's not the best, and I'm sure AK would say that this is not a co-main event. Uh, this is a penultimate fight, but you know, top to bottom, I'm actually pretty interested in most of these matchups on the UFC card. Uh, even some of these prospects, Jake Hadley, you know, this is a guy with a lot of hype. Let's see what he's about. Uh, returning light heavyweight champion, fighting a guy who should be undefeated and a much bigger deal in the division. Um, you know, just pretty well made fight card. So if it was if this was fight card was happening at a reasonable hour, this would be one of the better offerings the UFC's given us of late. Connor, what do you think? You can only watch one. You got the rest of the weekend to to do whatever Connor Burks does on the weekend outside of watching MMA. Which card are you watching and why? 
I don't know, man. This is this is actually a tougher choice than uh, than Jed at first said. I mean, the biggest draw to me for 281 is the fact that it's going to be in London and it's going to be in front of fans in London. And they have an Englishman fighting for an interim title. Uh, unfortunately, Amasov is not on the card, who I think he would have walked through Michael Venom Page. But I'm kind of with Jed. The rest of the card does not really interest me that much. The Paul Daly retirement fight, sure, I'll tune in, but... It's not must-watch television for me. UFC Vegas 54, we're at least getting essentially a title eliminator for the light heavyweight division between Blahovich and Rakic. Uh, and there are other fights that I'm interested in seeing. Uh, Davey Grant, I want to watch him fight against Luis Smolka. Chukagian, Hibas. I- I'm going to go with UFC Vegas 54, uh, despite the time, starting at 7.30 Eastern. Chad, what's, we mentioned some of the bigger fights. What's the... What's the under the radar banger here, Jed? What's the one? What's the one that 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 could steal the weekend in your eyes? Ooh, steal the weekend is tough because uh, I do think Louis Smoke and Davy Grant's probably like getting the most hype on that the UFC card. Um, maybe, yeah, I think we have got to go Tatsuya Tyra. Uh, you know, f- making his UFC debut against Carlos Candelario. Uh, flyweights. There's going to be a lot of a lot of quick quick fast action, some grapples, some punches. Uh, it's probably going to be one of the better fights uh, of the whole weekend, uh, and not a single person I know is talking about it. So there's that. GC, what's yours? Under the radar potential show stealer that just could surprise some folks. Nick Maximov, Andre Petrovsky. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, let's go to Bellator 281, actually. Uh, my guy, Luke Trainer, the gent, is going at it. Uh, huge knockout power, also has submission specialties. Uh, he's actually someone I'm looking forward to watching, too, in Bellator. If you want to talk flying under the radar, that fight is flying under the radar. So I will go with uh, Luke Trainer. I think it's uh, Bai Young is the guy he's fighting in, in Bellator 281. I actually like this Bellator card. Like, I know it's not... It's not screaming star power, but I actually think it's with the atmosphere and some of the matchups. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Paige Storley is kind of interesting. Like, can Paige keep this on the feet? He not cannot. get taken down. It's going to be tough. But again, he was preparing for a much different, probably much more difficult stylistic wrestler in Yaroslav Amosov. I thought Michael Page's approach to this fight is kind of interesting by saying that if he wins, he's he feels he's the champion and he will give Amosov basically... <laughs> the first title shot when Amosov's ready to come back, which don't necessarily agree with that take, but Paul Daly's final fight, but that'll be a cool moment, especially goes out and wins. He's got a, he's got a tough one ahead of him. And then the UFC fight, I mean, the UFC card, I love the Araujo Andrea Lee fight. That is a super interesting matchup. I feel like Andrea Lee is still being kind of slept on here. I understand. It's an interesting stylistic matchup, but Viviani Araujo, when she gets in these outside of Roxanne Modafari, of course, when she gets in these spots to to try to take that next step, just doesn't really go well for her. So we'll see what happens. Both cards are interesting in their own ways. But yes, I wish the UFC card was one of those typical fight night ones that start at four Eastern. I got used to that. We, we got yeah. spoiled with that. It's so nice. I know. Yeah. Someone's wondering if that's sweat. It's not sweat. It's just it's just shine. <laughs> Is it cooking oil? <laughs> a little, little Pam on top of the dome. I mean, that'd be a good call. Give it a nice shine. Yeah, a little, little, little sweet, sweet, sweet cooking oil. So, all right, that's round three. Bellator 281 tomorrow, UFC Vegas 54 on Saturday. Point for round three goes to 
Dead Mission. Wow. Hey, we gotta play now, the comeback game here. That's now an engine revving. That wasn't a drum roll. That's right. It's a WD forty coming out on top of the head and getting me all revved up. So, all right, let's pull up the banner here. God, I miss Casey. All right, you do so, great though, Mike. I'm trying, trying to multitask and make job. this happen without any sounds or music or anything like that. So on Saturday, we saw this incredible Israel Adesanya promo to announce that he will be fighting Jared Cadenier in the main event of UFC 276, which is going down July 2nd in Las Vegas. Uh, that will be the capper of International Fight Week. This could be a very big deal for the company. And I was actually kind of surprised at the way they rolled this out. And I'm surprised they actually listened to Israel Adesanya because the last time they announced an Israel Adesanya fight, it was the Robert Whitaker rematch. And he had not even signed yet. In fact, he went on Twitter and said cap, said it was a bunch of BS. But Adesanya, when asked about that heading into the Whitaker fight, was like, you don't just drop one of my fights by putting a graphic on the screen. You got to roll this thing out. You got to make it a big deal. And they turned this into a WWF 1990s vignette. Like they were introducing Adesanya to the world. And then they announced that he's fighting Jared Cannonier. So on top of that, we had already confirmed that Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway 3 for the featherweight title will be the co-main event. Sean Strickland versus Alex Pajeda. And on and on we go. GC, we'll begin with you. You got to see the 10-fight slate on paper during the broadcast on Saturday. How would you grade it for an international fight week extravaganza type of card? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it an A. I would give it an A+, plus, but uh, you know, you can always leave some room for improvement. I I think Izzy Cannonier. I think Izzy's going to win, but if you look at Cannonier, five of his last six wins are by knockout, so I at least think he's going to bring the fight to Izzy. He's going to try and finish it, which I just think will make for an exciting fight. Obviously, the co-main with Volkanovski and Holloway three. I like. I don't know who wants to see. Like, doesn't want to see that. The quick turnaround for Volkanovski. Uh, it should be a tremendous fight. And then you have you know lower key ones that are incredibly interesting. Uh, Alex Bay, Sean Strickland. I mean, they're clearly trying to rush Pajera along, trying to get that third fight with Israel Adesanya. Obviously, my guy, the Sugar Show, trying to make it sixteen and zero, getting a uh, a top ten opponent. <laughs> Uh, Drikas Duplicis, two guys, Drikas Duplicis, an up and coming knockout artist, one of the most exciting guys on the card. On the flip side, up and coming submission artist, and Andre Muniz. I can't wait to see both of them fight. I expect both of their fights to end in finishes. And then a vet battle with Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberena. I mean, I, I am very excited for this card. It has potential to be the, the card of the year, uh, if the fights go well. So I give him an A, man. I, I'm very excited for July 2nd. Jay, we also have Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy on this card. Uh, Brad Tavares, Drickus Duplessis, Jessica Rose Clark, Julia Stoliarenko. That's one that was not on the graphic, but that is happening on that card. Uh, Andre Muniz fighting Uriah Hall. We get Jess Guy, Macy Barber, Lawler Barbarena, and then the two title fights, at least for now. We still got three or four glaring spots left on this card that could fill it up. So what are you grading now? And we'll, we'll, I'll save my the second part of the question for later, but how do you grade it right now as it stands? It's an A plus. I mean, this is this is what you hope for, um, and this is what you expect, especially for their kind of marquee event. Uh, obviously, Fight Week, International Fight Week, is always a really big one for the UFC every year. Um, they try and go, you know, above and beyond. They brought Brock back to do it. You know, it's just sort of how that thing goes. They they're just really keyed in, and this is what you expect, and they're delivering. I mean, to 
title fights. I, I'm less confident that uh, Adesanya Cannonier is going to be fun. I think that that could look a lot like a staring match for long periods of time. Uh, but that's still A plus peak middleweight fighting. Uh, Strickland Bahia, the winner of that, is probably going to cut a promo on Israel Adesanya and probably fight him next. Uh, Volkanovski Max Holloway, we've talked about it a ton. That's as good as fist fighting gets. And even if I feel extremely confident in the outcome, I'll watch them fight a hundred times because that is the absolute pinnacle of this sport. Um, and then everything else is good. You know, Sean O'Malley is getting an opportunity to fight a top tier guy, even though he said for years, he doesn't want to fight anybody in the rankings. Uh, Mooney's and Duplessis up and coming middleweights. Everything's great. Lawler Barbarina is going to be a banger. This is A++. There's nothing wrong with this card. The only thing we have to hope is that it it maintains this moving forward because there's a lot of time, a lot of real estate between now and, and July. And, you know, this is MMA. Things change all the time. But this is one of those cards where even if one of these, two of these fights drop off or have to get moved or something, there's the bulk of it is so strong that the card is still going to be fine regardless. Okay, so at least to me, this fight, this main event has a lot of stakes to it. And this is what I would want. This is what I want to see if it's possible, because I feel like if you could do it, I feel like now's the time with the way that the lightweight division looks, right? If Volkanovsky beats Holloway again, let's just say he wins, it's convincing. There's no sort of argument, no discussion, no robbery talk, none of that. He wins a convincing decision or he goes out there and finishes Max Holloway. Ben Mishu, is he in this conversation to fight Charles Oliveira at all? Because I kind of want to see that fight. Because look at the featherweight division right now. You got Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett. That's probably the next guy in line. There's talks about Yair Rodriguez fighting Brian Ortega. There's other guys coming up right now. In a year or so, maybe 18 months, featherweight's going to be a real interesting thing. It's very deep. There's guys like in the top 25 right now who are not ranked, who are really good. But right now, Volkanovski is either fought or beat all these guys or... Guys just aren't on like interesting enough streaks to be like, oh, this guy, like, I really think he has a really good chance to beat Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky has talked about wanting to go to 155. And Dana White said on Saturday, if Volkanovsky decides that he wants to move up, he's getting an immediate title shot. So is there a chance that with a win on July 2nd for Volkanovsky, he is in this conversation to fight Charles Oliveira for the vacant title? No. Oh, there's a chance, but. I really hope it's not the case because it would be very, very stupid. Um, I love Alexander Volkanovsky. I think he's one of the five best fighters in the world, full stop. Um, and I think he would have a really good chance at to be very competitive at lightweight, though I I do have a lot of questions about how much that size difference would affect him because I think it would be pretty substantial in some of these fights. Uh, but the biggest reason I'm saying no is the it's it's not like the lightweight title is super clear right now. So adding Volkanovsky, who as good as he is, nobody really cares about. Like that's I'm sorry, we just be honest. He is not an enormous draw, um, and so there's not a huge impetus to be like, all right, let's let's move him up here because it's going to do big business. It's a great fight, very competitive. There's a story to tell, but it's not the same as you know when connor moved up and this is inevitable and we just kind of have to go with the flow of the money here 
because lightweight is such a fuster right now, like you just can't, I just feel like you can't do it. Even if he comes and beats Max Holloway again, which again, I'm confident he will do, but that is by no way guaranteed. But then putting him up there is like, all right, well, you've got Islam Makachev now again, just sort of be sitting around. He's fighting Benil Dariush. And then you still have Connor who's going to be trying to fight for the title. It just, it muddles lightweight so much, and that's the best division in the sport. You don't need to muddle it because he he deserves to fight for the lightweight title if he moves up. He also doesn't deserve to get to move up, if that makes sense. Like, Jose Aldo didn't get the chance to move up and win the lightweight belt, which he damn sure would have during his peak years because he just had to fight dudes. For as much as you want to say, well, the other guys in the featherweight division aren't, haven't established themselves as like interesting contenders. That's just how the sport works. Like you just pick the best guy who's available. Every long reigning champion has done that. Was Patrick Cote, were people hanging off the rafters screaming for Patrick Cote to get a crack at, at uh, Anderson? No, but he was the next dude up because you defend your belt. And for as much as Volkanovsky has said, I want to be a guy who defends my belt. He fought three different dudes, Max, Brian Ortega, both good. And then Chan Sung Jung, which is, you know, love love Korean Zombie. That win is probably not as impressive as it feels like right now, right? From a from a contextual standpoint. And now he's like, yeah, I, I want to go get a second belt too. I want to do this thing. No, man, like fight Calvin Cater. Fight fight Josh Emmett. Like fight Arnold Allen. Fight A. Rodriguez. There are plenty of dudes who are different looks who are interesting matchups and because they haven't put a 10 fight win streak together we're acting as if that that's not a valid title challenger and that's insane to me like i want volkanovsky to do the thing he said he was going to do which is stay in his weight class defend his belt against the best challengers that are available and i want lightweight to have some semblance of clarity established to it before we start mucking around in things what do you think gc are we uh are we okay to muck around a little bit Considering, especially, let's just say the UFC moves forward with Makachev Dariush in October. Let's just say, like, no one's going to talk me out of it. Not Joe Rogan or anybody else. That's the fight we're doing in October. Is it, I mean, can you make a, a case, especially at the win on July 2nd, that Volkanovsky could go up and fight Oliveira for the vacant title? Now, this is based off the assumption that you just said. If Dana White is... He is adamant that it has to be Makashev Dariush in October in Abu Dhabi, and you have to find someone to fight Charles Oliveira for the vacant title. Then, yeah, I think you could make the argument for Alexander Volkanovsky if he goes out there and he puts on an impressive, clear win against Max Holloway. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, I know he would only have what four defenses against three different opponents, and I do agree with Jed that he needs to do more at 145 before he starts talking about moving up to 155. And I also do agree that. If he does move up to 155, it might not be the best decision for him. The size disparity that he would have against Charles Oliveira would be pretty big. We saw it with Israel Adesanya and Jan Blahovich. I I don't think it would go well for him. I think Charles Oliveira would probably beat him if they were to fight. Um, but if the vacant title is there, obviously we mentioned it earlier, Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, they had their chances at it. Islam and Dariush are fighting each other then yeah, you can make the argument that Volk would deserve that title shot at 155 because if he moves up to 155, he's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world right now. He would deserve the title shot if he goes to that weight class. 
He would. Here's the other thing on this though. Like, I think he has. I think Oliveira presents probably the most winnable fight amongst the top lightweights for him. Let's say, let's say I I have a great deal of respect for what Alexander Volkanovski is a fighter, but let's say he goes up and he beats him. Like, tremendous a career accomplishment. This dude's. I mean, he's already Hall of Famer, but that cements it. Great. Uh because lightweight still won't have clarity, he will then have to fight Islam Makachev, who will just beat the shit out of him. And so you have now sacrificed your featherweight champion to win a belt, and now he's just going to have to go right back down because Islam Makachev will beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like, clarify lightweight, and then you can start mucking about. But, like, there are... I mean, maybe other people don't. I think it is a very open question whether Islam Makachev or Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world. And so have that fight first before you start playing around because otherwise it's just, it's just going to be a weird situation where Volk goes up, okay, he wins the belt, now he loses the belt, does he drop back down? Did did he vacate the featherweight belt and now Max has it again? What the hell is going on? It just adds a bunch of uncertainty and, and clutter when it could just be as simple as, hey, man, we want you to defend your belt two more times because that's what we expect from champions to defend their belt. Or you can vacate openly. If you want to move up to lightweight because that's what you want to do, you just have to drop the featherweight title, vacate it. Max can fight whoever for that, and then you make the run to 155 and we'll play the game from there. But, you know, maybe I'm just an old man. You know, maybe I'm just the old man shouting at the clouds. I liked it when champions would defend their belt like five or six times before people would be like, I want to see what they do at another weight class. Maybe you are old, Jed. Maybe you are old and crusty. I mean, could be. I mean, this is a chance for the UFC to have some fun here, right? I mean, the only reason I suggest that this could be a thing. You know what else is fun? Islam Makachev fighting Charles Oliveira is fun. Do that. That's the fun thing. Listen, it'd be more fun if he fought Dariush and beat Dariush. Then it's more fun because he got his marquee win. And we're not having conversations on who's next because we know who's next. It's unequivocal who's next. You know know who it is. You know how we wouldn't have those conversations if they just came out and said Islam's next. That is also unequivocal. I know they're bad at promoting. I say it all the time, (laughs) but I'm trying to live in a world where they don't suck at their job. And in that world, you should just say, yeah, you should have come out after Charles Oliveira won and said, yeah, the same way that when when they immediately stripped Henry Cejudo, I'm like, Piotr Jan is fighting for the belt that Henry no longer has because he is retired before he even withdrew himself from freaking USADA. They should be like, yeah, Charles doesn't have the belt. He is fighting as Makachev. That's the fight we are going to make for the vacant title. Boom. Dana, want, Dana still wants that freaking Dariush fight. I, Why haven't they booked it then? Is my question. I don't because understand it's it. so far out. It's October because they're going to do an Abu Dhabi. And by the way, the only reason I knew about it is because Benil Darius talked to our own Damon Martin, and that's what he was told. Like we're planning on rebooking that one and doing it in October. Man. And they're going does back Dana to Abu Dhabi. Owe, you got to do it anywhere else. You know? Does Dana owe Benil a favor or something? Did he lose like a big blackjack hand to Benil, and so he is like pot committed to giving him this fight that nobody cares about because no one does. <laughs> Like the only reason people care about it is because it will be the thing that Islam gets a title fight. But if you were just like, nah, Islam gets the title fight, I'd be like, cool. This is the one we want to see. The two best guys in the world fight. Maybe what if Darius won that fight? You're giving he's him not, no chance. He's not going to. 
Islam Makashev would be a favorite over Charles Oliveira. He already oh, is. For sure. he, he would he, be. A, so how do you not give the guy a title shot if the betting like no, he would be a let, monster favorite over uh, Benil Dariush if he goes out and dominates be, Benil Dariush? What do we learn from that? It's just a huge waste of time. It it is a waste of time, and that's that's the other thing. I thought that they were finally going to learn a lesson because Habib was the best lightweight in the world for like four years before they finally put a title on him, but they kept sticking around with Connor and doing all this other weird, stupid stuff instead of just being like, that guy's the best. Let's get him to fight and prove it as quickly as we can. And they're doing that with Hamza, basically like, oh, that guy's great. We should figure out if he's the best. Let's make that happen. But with Islam, they're like, not. And it just makes no sense to me why we're doing this because as, as Connor said, I mean, uh, there, there are odds, Connor. And Islam is now only a minus 225 favorite over Charles Oliveira. But, I mean, that's still over a 2-to-1 favorite. He was substantially larger until this past weekend. I think he was like minus 400 until Islam kind of trucked up Justin Gaethje. So, like, yeah, just make that fight. That's the fight that obviously should happen. It's not that hard. And, by the way, all the people saying that Oliveira is ducking Islam is just i mean that's come insanity. on now that's the dumbest thing ever this guy heard. might be most enough. the most game fighter in the world right now why are you looking at the ceiling jed are you one of those people he's not ducking him because i don't think professional fighters duck people but he's he is making a very very specific decision and that decision is i would like to fight connor for a big bag of money and i don't blame him for that because that is this is prize fighting you should make that decision but in the same way you and I, Mike, have talked about Colby should be coming out and saying, give me Hamzat, or Usman should be coming out and saying, I want to fight Hamzat Shemayev right now. Like That's it. If Charles Oliveira really wants to prove uh, there's one lightweight champion, his name is Charles Oliveira, and I'm tired of people disrespecting me, he has done everything he can towards that, but that man has not once said Islam's name, and that's the fastest way to do it. You want to answer all the questions? Islam Akhachev, baby. And nobody will have shit to say to you if you just say, okay, we're doing a vacant, put me in Islam, Abu Dhabi, I'm going to go strangle his ass, and the rest of you can shut up, I am the GOAT. And that's it. And he's not saying that. And I think that is primarily because he just wants the big bag of Connor money. But, you know. It's a fair point. He He's not saying it. And there's – because also, you can do more than one thing at once. Michael Chandler called out like four different people. <laughs> <laughs> like he was just like, I'm just going to call out all these people, even if most of them are stupid and don't make sense. And Oliver could have easily said, like, I want Connor because I want, and he could be transparent. I want the big bag of money. I want to fight Connor because he is an easy fight and will provide me the most money to take care of my family. But if that's not going to happen, I will strangle Islam Makachev and the rest of y'all can kick rocks. And he is not saying that. And again, I don't think it's because he's afraid, but I also think, Fighters largely understand good and bad matchups. And if I had any ability to not fight Islam Akachev, I damn sure wouldn't because that's a bad look for me. It's a bad night, too. Well, the last point on Islam is the biggest argument for Islam is there's no like viable alternative. Like It's not like there is a clear second choice here. You would be kind of forcing a fight if you didn't give it to Islam Makachev in this situation. The only argument against Makachev is make him fight Dariush first. And I just think, I just don't agree with that. But there are people who feel like Darius's resume is better than Makachev's. Uh, well. I mean, I, it probably is, but also like, 
who gives a crap. <laughs> like, I don't. There's, there's a lot I mean, of guys neither guy better. is a big star. Let's be yeah, honest. I mean, neither there's guys, guys with better a resumes star. than Hamzat, and Hamzat jumped right up to yeah. Gilbert Burns. Uh, right. It, Islam gets the. He has Habib there, so it's it's enough. He's also and twenty-two and one on a ten-fight win streak in the UFC. It's not like he is. And his one his one loss, like I'm not saying it's a fluke, but it's kind of. It was I mean, he kind got starched, bro. It was kind of a fluke, though. Like, yeah, great shot, but like, if they fought ten times, do you think that happens more than three? Well, we'll wait and see. If Islam beats Oliver and he doesn't call out. Armand Sarukian, then we're going to have some words on uh, on BTL the following Thursday. That's for damn sure. How about that? Sure. All right. We have gone through regulation. I don't know if we see a poll. Come on, poll. Who are, I don't know who's doing the polls. We're getting all these random things. Uh, who would you pick to win at 155? Oliveira Volkanovsky. It's Oliveira 80-20. Uh, but I appreciate you guys at least putting that up for, for a vote. The point for round four. Point for round four goes to the young man gc it's two to two we got no sound effects at all i'm trying to make this happen here we go so now we go to the knockout round one question will decide it all each participant will have one minute to answer said question once that is done we'll go to the peeps hopefully there will be a poll up here there we go there's the poll who wins jed connor cast your vote now you can vote you can do pride rules you can do round by round, however you scored it. Here's your chance. GC, you are the last person on the panel to uh, to pick up a victory here. So you have the champion's prerogative. Do you want to go first or do you want to pass on over uh, to Jed Mishu? I'll let Jed go first. He's going to let Jed go first. Let me pull this banner because uh, we already asked those questions. Jed, we are in the middle of uh, of two playoffs in major sports. The NHL has playoffs going on. The NBA is playoffs going on, and it's also kind of a, we're around award season for, for those sports as well. So my question, very simply, because I literally had no idea where I was going to go with this until about eight seconds ago. On this May 12th, 2022, if we were creating a part-time year MVP award for the sport of mixed martial arts through five months and change, who is it and why? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Oh, man. Um, this is tough. I think there's an obvious answer or maybe two, but I'm going to take one with a little bit of a future projection. I'm going to take Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, mainly because we already know that he will be fighting again in July, and it's the fight everyone wants. And that first fight we got of him against Korean zombie, a dude that we all love that every, you know, a legend of the game is, I said it at the time, still stand by it as perfect a performance as someone can have. Like there's, he did nothing. It was a flawless victory. If this was mortal Kombat, he didn't get touched and it wasn't a flash KO. So yeah, first punch, one shot, one kill, we're done. He beat that ass round after round until he finished him. So that performance, plus the fact that we're going to get another fight of the year contender with Max Holloway, he is going to be my MVP of the year through five months. All right. One man down. We head on over to GC. Remember, we got the poll open. You could vote who wins, Connor or Jed. Connor, same question. Five months in, who's the front runner for the MVP 
for the world of mixed martial arts. One minute on the clock. Go. Yeah, I guess I should have let uh, I should have gone first myself here <laughs> uh, because Alexander Volkanovsky is who I was going to pick as well. We'll uh, we'll go with someone else though. I'm going to go with a uh, another champion from down under. Uh, I will be going with Israel Adesanya. He's already got one win under his belt. He's already lining up for a second one against Jared Cannonier in July. And he says he has full intentions to fight three or four times in 2022. And I think Israel Adesanya, if he gets four title defenses uh, in, uh, as you guys have been saying, uh, this the year of our Lord 2022, uh, I think it'll be hard to argue against him as fighter of the year. I, mean, what I think I did this last time. I think I came up short last time, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, I mean, what a, what a professional job right there. Uh, you left us with 10 seconds. Actually, a little more. I think 15 seconds. All right, I got there. time. Number two, my guy, Tom Aspinall. Oh, that would have been my number two. <laughs> man. He's the was... man. Watch him go out there and beat Curtis Blades, cash another <laughs> underdog ticket for us, and then we're talking about him for the heavyweight title. I was wow. just going to sing the song. If I hadn't gone with Volk, I was, I was just going to sing the song. Tommy Espinosa. We need Frank here to play it for us. I mean, how can you not love the guy? Yeah, if he does some sort of remix to that song when he walks out against Curtis Blades, Blades is toast on July 23rd in, in London. So there you go. You heard the answers. Poll is open. We're going to leave it open for another like 45 seconds. Is it Jed or is it Connor who wins after that final round? While we do that, let us waste some time by plugging a bunch of stuff. Like Jed Mishu in GC's podcast, No Bets Barred, you want to potentially make some money on Saturday. This might not be the card to do so, but if you're willing to, to dabble in and try to make some cashola, Jed and Connor will give their plays and try to guide you into the right direction. And then you got this show, obviously, heck of a morning tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern. We'll go live. We'll have some fun again. We got the weigh-in show, noon Eastern in Las Vegas. A.K. Lee, I believe I will jump on with him as well. Jose Youngs will be in Vegas. We'll have a preview show not long after that. We got Bellator, and then Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, the People's Pre-Fight Show. This might be the latest start for a People's Pre-Fight Show we have ever had in the last couple of years because the prelims started 7.30 Eastern, and then we'll have the post-fight show and all that stuff way later, and the press conference, too, since Jose is going to be out there. So uh, drink some coffee, maybe take a nap on Saturday because there's going to be a lot of content, and we're going to be up pretty late. That being said, let us go to the peeps. Let us go and announce the winner. The winner of BTL this week is... <laughs> Jed Mishu's opponent, Connor Burke. 64% of the vote wow. gets it done. Wow, you really got me there. I thought, I thought Jed just took my O. Wow. He did not. Wow. Game show-esque, baby. That's what happens. That, that was my tape. Ryan Seacrest right there. I was going to go to commercial. Tape. I was going to go to commercial, but I didn't do that. So GC gets it done. He's now 2-0 and on BTL. And GC, you now have 30 seconds to talk about, about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, different MMA. But I feel like you're going to take this opportunity to call out another member of the MMA fighting staff who has come on the show on multiple occasions and used your name in vain. What would you like to say with these 30 seconds? Wow, I guess I never saw him use my name in vain on this show uh, because he's just no draw. No one wants to watch him. I mean, that's that just is what it is. But yeah, it's Jose Youngs. Uh, I fully expected him to show up, move me to 2-0 and as well, just like Jed just did. But uh, I guess he was scared. I guess he backed out. I gave him the money fight. I gave him everything he, he's ever dreamed for to come up against me, and he backed out. 
It's shameful. Uh, so Jose Youngs, whenever you're ready, I'll be I'll be standing by. Sign the contract. Uh, let's get this done. There we go, Jed. What did you think of your partner's call out here? And you know, is this really a loss? Because either way, it's a win for No Bets Bard, right? Yeah, just trying to get him over so we can get that that big fight against Jose because <laughs> Jose is easy work, as we know, because I have given him the work countless times on this program. <laughs> so you know, we're just we're trying. We've got the we've got like I said, he's the rook. You know, I, I've been here, been in the game a long time, trying to help the new the new breed get up, get over, uh, and you know, stepping stone to great things for No Bets Bard. There you go, Connor. Thank you, Jed. Thank you. Casey, thanks for nothing. Thanks for <laughs> nothing. Nah, enjoy your vacation. Well-deserved. We will see you back here next week. But in the meantime, we'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern, on Heck of a Morning. For Jed, for Connor, for me, since I'm the producer this week, I am Mike Heck. Back next Thursday. We'll see you once again between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This is the awkward moment where we're still live, but not we're really. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.